Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Coach the Coach Radio. Brought to you by the Business Radio X Ambassador Program, the no-cost business development strategy for coaches who want to spend more time serving local business clients and less time selling them. Go to brxambassador.com to learn more. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach the Coach Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Rashawn Blumberg with 10X Management. Welcome. Hi, how are you? I am doing well. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm excited to learn about 10X Management. I've heard the phrase 10X. Uh, I'd love to hear how you guys do it and how companies can take advantage of that. Sure. Um, So 10X Management and 10X in general what we think of as 10X is somebody who delivers exponential value to a company. Uh, And in our case, we represent um, very senior freelance tech talent. And the premise here is that we provide rapid access to this type of talent for companies who have problems that they are having trouble solving. Um, And the hope is that our people will bring them exponential value as well. Um, the concept of 10X, you know, it sort of crosses uh, verticals. Anybody can be 10X in any kind of vertical. Um, in tech in particular, though, as you can imagine, somebody who is really exceptional at what they do can, can change dramatically the valuation for a company by solving certain types of unsolvable problems. Um, and we've absolutely seen that happen on our end. So that's sort of a little bit about us. Um, we wrote a book called Game Changer, How to Be 10X in the Talent Economy. And a lot of the, the ideas that we'll talk about here today are, are in that book as well. Yeah, that's how I've, uh, the first time I heard 10X was uh, I, I was talking to somebody in technology specifically about coding. And they were explaining to me that, uh, you know, coders are important and critical. But if you have kind of an A player or a 10X player, it's dramatically different. You're you're talking about this is a person that can really do ex um, exemplary work in much less time. They get it faster. They deliver a better result, a cleaner code in this respect that's more efficient, um, and it can dramatically impact your business. And I don't think people realize that. I think a lot of times they settle for maybe a B or a C player when if they'd hold out for an A player or they, you know, kind of wait for their pitch when that A player comes, it can make a dramatic difference in their business. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're preaching to the choir when you say that. I could not agree with you more. We have a concept called uh, rent fast, hire slow, specifically to address what you're talking about there, where companies are better off taking their time to find the right full-time W-2 employee, as opposed to just the quick you know, this is the person I can get and sort of the best person I can get right now. So a lot of what we're doing for companies is providing that stopgap of you can rent our person really quickly and get somebody who's super high level. And yeah, they're not going to be a W-2 option for you necessarily, but it gives you that time to find that right person who can be exponentially better for your company than other people. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. Now, I've also seen this work because I've worked in some in some of the creative businesses and I've seen, uh, for example, editors. I've seen an editor 
do in seconds what another editor would take hours. Um, so I think this transfers to other areas as well, not just tech or developers or coders. Oh yeah, I, I, I we're firm believers that this is more of a mindset and a capability rather than something that is domain specific. It's sort of like the saying that uh, you know uh, intelligence is spread evenly across uh, all races, colors, and creeds, um, but opportunity is limited. Um, I think that that's true with 10x capability. You can have 10xers in any vertical. Um, in addition to working with tech talent, we also work with entertainment. That's sort of how that was sort of the first talent we ever started working with. Um, in our book, we interview Bruce Springsteen's manager. Bruce is really the first 10xer we ever came across, and he's not writing code, obviously, but he's so exceptional at what he does and everything he does, for that matter, from giving a speech to writing a book to writing a song to performing, everything that he touches is just amazing. And that's why he is the icon that he is. And this is repeated in other, in other verticals as well. I mean, we could probably talk about, I, I don't know the names of these people, but people that wrote algorithms um, you know, for hedge funds and, and trading floors, you know, before those algorithms, trading was done very differently. Um, after those algorithms, which were written by people who were exceptional, um, you know, it, it basically changed the game. Now, when you're when we're talking about 10x uh, people and and their skills specifically, is this something that you found just on dealing with a lot of these folks? Is this something that is, you're born with or is this something that you have maybe a propensity for and that you can really get good and get to that level? Or is it just kind of genetic luck that, hey, I'm this person and I just have these, I'm a 10Xer? Well, first of all, I think that's a great question. And I think the answer is twofold. One is true 10Xers, um, which there are not that many of. Um, they're born with it, but also work very hard at it. It's like the stories of Michael Jordan, who is obviously a goat and he may be the best basketball player ever, but he also worked harder than anybody else on the court, putting time in, in the gym, you know, getting his reps in. And that's true of other 10 Xers. So you are born with that innate IQ um, and perhaps even EQ. And by that, I mean the emotional quotient, how you deal with people, communicate, uh, empathize with other people. Um, you may be born with that, but I think you can also learn and improve on those skills. Um, so the true 10 Xers are born with it. However, you can really push yourself down the 10x spectrum. You may not reach real 10x-ness, for lack of a better phrase, um, but there are definitely things that the average individual can do to be more 10x. Um, and I can, you know, I can run through some of those if, if you Yeah, go ahead. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so for starters, you want to be a continual learner. Um, every 10xer and people that are pushing themselves down that spectrum are constantly learning, evaluating, reevaluating, getting feedback. Um, we dedicate a chapter uh, in our book to this. And basically, you should be looking for feedback in all directions. Uh, people that are at your level at work, people below you, people above you, um, people outside of your work world. You want to be able to get a, an accurate impression of where your strengths and weaknesses are so you can work on them and, and improve. So upskilling uh, professionally and also um, constantly learning and reevaluating how you approach problems um, is one thing. Having a mentor, a coach, um, somebody that has a vested interest in seeing you do well 
is a great place to start. Sometimes that's a family member, right? You know, the first place you might look is a parent, an uncle, some family member that may be able to give you a certain level of guidance that you can't have on your own. Um, being able to see the blind spots that you yourself can't see. Uh, we talk about something called Jahari window in the book. Um, and one of the elements of it is uh, things that other people see about you that you don't see in yourself. And that's where you really need that guidance, that coach, that mentor, and the feedback from, because there are absolutely things that you don't know about yourself. Um, and, you know, it, it can really help you improve. Um, so I think constant learning is the number one most important thing, finding people that have sort of skin in the game in your life that can give you outside feedback. Those are a couple of tangible things that people can do to push themselves down the 10X spectrum. And do you have to kind of be a specialist? Like, is it difficult to be a generalist 10Xer? I think you can be a generalist 10Xer um, because at the end of the day, it's about being the best that you can at whatever it is you're working on and whatever it is you're doing. Um, but I do think that where we see the most sort of public impact from 10Xers tends to be sort of domain specific. Somebody who, you know, is exceptional at writing front end code or back end code or algorithms um, or somebody who is able to synthesize like a lawyer who's able to synthesize um, arguments in a much more elegant and eloquent way, those are gonna be people who are exponentially better. And I think that I sort of alluded to this, but 10 Xers are, are part EQ and part IQ. IQ, everybody knows about the EQ part is that ability to relate to others. And the higher your EQ, the better off you're gonna be as far as success in things that you do. So if you have a super high IQ, that's great. But if you can't communicate with others and empathize with others, I can guarantee you that by and large, you're not going to have the kind of success that you want. So if there's one thing to truly work on beyond uh, constantly upskilling and, and, and your, improving your IQ status is to be more human, to understand other people, to be able to communicate to other with other people um, and empathize with the things that they're going through professionally and personally. Now, um, so if you were talking to a, a recent graduate from college, what would be your counsel to them if they wanted to, or they aspire to be a 10 X or in their career? Well, first of all, they should figure out what they want to do. Um, you know, do they want to be in entertainment? Do they want to be in sports, marketing, management? Do they want to be, do they want to be a coder? Whatever it is they want to do, they need to learn about that profession and discipline. Um, so again, I would try and find some sort of a mentor or a coach um, and learn what the process is to become better and excel in that vertical. So it starts with baby steps. And then once you take those initial baby steps and figure out what you want to do and maybe figure out your foot into the door of the first job that you have, that's when you start applying the other elements like feedback um, and, and making people advocates for you by working really hard, having grit and fortitude, being a great team player, communicating well, finding people in your workplace um, who can give you critical feedback, trying to uh, engage with your manager to, to, to play that role, um, and then find people that are in your same um, vertical, but at other companies and network with them. Find out how their job differs from your job. Uh, go to networking events. You really have to immerse yourself in whatever it is that occupation uh, you want to pursue learn who the players are, 
learn where they go, learn what they do. That's sort of this constant learning process. And slowly but surely, you have to have grit and fortitude to be able to stay in it, but slowly and surely you will rise up the ladder. And then the key is once you've risen is to pay it forward and offer that feedback and offer that support for the people that you see in your organization that are exceptional at what they do and need to get that, that boost and that leg up. Now, in your organization, uh, at 10X Management, uh, what is the pain that your prospective client is having right before they're hiring you? Are they startups where they're just building a tech team? Are they like kind of frustrated? They plateaued and they, they need help kind of getting over a hump and they've got a little bit of a crisis on their hands? Like, like who, who are the folks that are calling you and why? Yeah, I mean, we really see the full spectrum, everything from like a mom and pop startup without a, without a technical founder um, who needs to have an MVP built of their idea, uh, all the way up to Fortune 100 companies, um, multinationals. So it really just depends. We have a broad enough client base where we can sort of find the right solution quickly for most problems. I will say that the barriers to entry tend to be companies that are more calcified in old world, meaning that their procurement process is incredibly challenging. Um, this is something we talk about all the time. It's, it's largely why we wrote our book, is that we're, we work with so many forward-thinking companies, but there are still companies that we come in, in contact with who desperately need the help of the kind of people that we represent. But there are so many hurdles and hoops to jump through in order to onboard. It, it becomes impossible. So the companies that we're really successful with, with working, working with um, are companies that are much more um, modern and people-centric focused, meaning that they're looking to find the right solution, whether it's a W-2, whether it's a, a 1099 freelancer, whether it's domestic or international, they want to find the best resource to solve the problem. That's a kind of company that we work very effectively with. Um, I don't know if that gives you the complete picture, but we have, you know, we run the gamut of all different types of companies. But is there something happening internally? Like, are they, did they just get funding and now they got to really build this thing out? Or do they just got a new client that has asked them to do something they promised that they're going to have a hard time delivering and they need help? The answer is yes. <laughs> I'm not being that helpful here. But so I would say that there are several different types of usages. One would be adding capacity to a team. Let's say you've got your own uh, tech team at your company and they're focused on a variety of different projects and an edge case project comes up that, that is important, but you don't want to take your core team away from what they're working on day to day in order to build this. We're often brought in to, to build these kinds of edge case um, pieces of tech, piece products. Um, sometimes we're adding capacity to existing teams when they have a product push, maybe they have a launch for something and they just need to add extra capacity. Sometimes we're building something from the ground up. Um, I would say, you know, 25% of our projects are what we call greenfield where we're coming in and we're basically building the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it, it could be, you know, a company just got funding and they want to ramp up and, and rapidly bring an MVP to market. It could be a capacity thing where a company just needs to add people for whatever reason, but they don't want to add headcount uh, on a W-2 front. Um, and it could be edge case projects, or it could be, and this happens fairly often, often with the Fortune 100 companies, they have lab groups 
and they're looking for a very specific type of capability. Um, and so they would come to us because, you know, we have people who do, you know, who are experts at certain, uh, certain types of disciplines and, and edge case R&D related um, elements. And so it, it can really be a variety of, of different uses. So now if they're not choosing you, are they um, just kind of networking locally, finding somebody that knows somebody, get some independent freelancer, or are they going to a recruiting firm and going to hire somebody permanently? You know, it's, it's, it's really all over the place. Um, I would say a large chunk of the business that we do comes from referrals from other companies that we've worked with, um, which is obviously we think is a huge compliment and we love that. Um, so that's, that's a situation where, uh, like you sort of said, they're kind of networking their way into finding a resource. Uh, there are a lot of marketplaces that have popped up over the last 10, 15 years, Upwork being one of the bigger ones you've probably heard of. Um, and, you know, when we started out hiring freelancers ourselves before we started 10X Management, we would go to marketplaces like that. Upwork uh, was a combination of Odesk, and I can't remember the other company that merged together, but Odesk was was really a, an initial marketplace for tech talent. Um, and the problem that we ran into was we we had no real vetting mechanism. It was very hard to know what we were getting, the quality of the work. And sure enough, it was, it was very hit or miss. Uh, and so we kind of Put, that, put the concepts and the problems that we saw in the back of our mind. And ultimately around 2010, when people started to talk about tech talent as rock stars, we'd already been working with rock stars. And so we thought perhaps the type of representation we do could, could transport into tech. Um, but there, you know, there are definitely a variety of different ways people can find talent. The question is, what is it they're looking for? And I think that the, what you talked about as far as the 10X are being able to write code faster and more elegantly um, and get it right the first time, that's a certain type of customer that is looking for that kind of person because those, that combination of talents is not cheap, right? So if you want quick and cheap, that's one type of tech talent. If you want really high quality, uh, that's going to be a different kind of tech talent. Um, so it really depends on what your need is, where you will try and source that that resource. So now how do you kind of vet the talent to make sure they're 10Xers? So a lot of the people that we represent, and we, we really have two types of relationships. Um, and our agency is, is small by design. We're not a platform. We don't have tens of thousands of people. Um, most of the people that we represent uh, came to us through a trusted source, either a customer we've worked with or another client that we represent has somebody who they think is great that they refer to us. Um, and whether or not they come to us through that source or off of our wait list, we have about a 5,000 person wait list of people who have applied to be represented. We go through essentially four different um, vetting elements. The first is we do reference checks, which I think is sort of your basic low hanging fruit. We do a little cyber stalking, which is really just looking at all of their public um, personas and seeing how they present themselves, what they talk about, what's important to them. Um, and then the two most important thing, which we important things, which we dive in most deeply on are personality based interviews, which happen with myself and my co-founder, um, where we really try to find out like what makes this person tick, who are they, what is it that, that inspires them? What makes them work well? What kind of projects will be good for them? How do they problem solve? What happens when they come in contact with issues? How do they deal with those issues? Um, and then the other thing we do is we do uh, technical vet and we use our existing client base 
to vet new potential clients. Um, the idea there being we want to ensure that even the weakest link on the chain is, is pretty strong uh, or is very strong. Um, so that's really the four-step process that we go through. So that stage where you're talking to them, that's your kind of EQ analysis? Th- that's exactly right. Between that and the reference checks, we get a sense of how they work with others. With humans? Um, it's your human with, test? With, with humans, <laughs> yes. It's our human test. We want to know how they problem solve. What do they do when they're blamed for something that either is their fault or isn't their fault? Um, do they step up to the plate and take ownership of it? Do they pass it off to somebody else? Um, we really want people who are A, going to take ownership of things that are problems that are created. And then the second thing is to propose solutions. Um, we don't want people who are just like, yeah, you know, I, I'm sorry, I messed that up, but I, I don't really know how to fix it. Right. So we're really, we're really vetting for who you are, what you have to say, how you deal with problems. Um, do you step up to the plate and own things? Um, or do you push it off onto other people? And, and generally, I mean, we have a list of, of core values at 10X that we show to these prospective clients and see if th- that aligns with their own values. Now, um, any advice for folks out there that are in the hiring business, and obviously, you know, they should call you, but if they're going to try to do this on their own, is there some kind of do's and don'ts if, uh, from hiring if they're trying to do it on their own that you would recommend? Other than yeah, probably buy your book, probably your buy your book is probably a good starting <laughs> buy, point. The book would be great. Um, <laughs> but I think that the four steps that we go through as far as vetting, um, I think should be done by anybody who's bringing on a freelancer. Uh, if we're talking about a, a W-2 hire, it's a little bit different. We actually created something called a lifestyle calculator that weighs out 24 different elements that could be in a compensation package. Um, and we use that for prospective clients who are working with to help them negotiate the compensation package, the, the compensation packages that they're getting for W-2 employment. And, and we do that through our company, 10X Ascend. Um, but when we're talking about freelance, especially tech talent, go through those four steps and focus most importantly on the personality elements and how they deal with issues. And also be very upfront about what your process is as a company. Are you a company that insists on doing multiple uh, standups throughout the week and they'll have to be a part of that? or are you not a company that does that? Like, what is your cadence? What is your expectation? Um, and then one of the things that we tell the companies that we work with when dealing with the 10Xers that we represent is you're hiring them so that they can teach you what to do, not so that you can teach them what to do. That's like a Steve Jobs quote. We hire the best and brightest so they can tell us what to do, not for us to tell them what to do. 10Xers want to solve your problem, but if you micromanage a 10Xer, they're never going to succeed. They don't, they don't work well under that kind of situation. So set up the expectations, set up the parameters, and give them the space to do what they do while still obviously managing them. Um, but micromanaging is a huge problem. Now, if there's someone out there that wants to learn more, get a hold of your book, or uh, talk to you or somebody on your team, whether they're talent or whether they're looking for talent, uh, what's a website? So the two websites that I would say make the most sense is 10X Management, the number 10, the letter X, management.com. And that is information on our tech talent agency, both how to hire people 
um, and bring them on for projects and also for people who might be uh, interested in applying. Um, and then for the book, it's gamechangerthebook.com. And it has a lot of information there, including a fun uh, test that you can take to see where you fall on the 10X spectrum. Um, and also you can take it on behalf of your company to see where they fall on the 10X spectrum. Um, and my contact information is on uh, the gamechangerthebook.com website. How many people who take that test are 10Xers? You know, it's funny. We don't actually capture the answers. Um, so I don't have a good answer to that, but I can tell you when I took it myself, I was only about three quarters of the way there. Um, so I think that most people will probably fall into that, um, you know, a third to 75% range with outliers being below and above. Um, if you're above 75 or 80%, you're, you're pretty well on your way to being 10 X or at least understanding what it takes to be a 10 Xer. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. 